Okay, good afternoon, and uh, thank you for joining us for episode nine of the Green Circle podcast. Here, coming to you once again from the beautiful Noel Furniture Showroom. Very proud to say that uh, Greenford Construction built this space almost a decade ago to lead platinum standards, and we're very thankful for their uh, allowing us to use this for our podcast. It's been a great venue for us. Uh, for those who have tuned in to past episodes, you know me. My name is Scott Ledden. I'm a partner with Greenford Construction. And um, for those who don't, I am the host of the Green Circle podcast. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by Lucia DiBiazio and Sharon Portelli. And thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Lucia, why don't we start with you? Please take a few minutes and introduce yourself and what you do. And sure. uh, yeah, give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what you do. Thanks, Scott. Well, I'm Lucia DiBiazio. As you mentioned, I'm from LDB Design, owner-principal of uh, a boutique uh, workplace design firm. Mm -hmm. We've been in business now for 11 years. Oh, congratulations. And I remember when you started. It's like it was yesterday. Yeah, like it was yesterday. And after all of this COVID, I'd like to say that we're still in business, so yay. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. It has been very challenging times. Very so challenging times, for sure. Very different. Absolutely. But um, we have a great group of clients, and hopefully after all of this passes or we learn to adapt, because I think for each company it's going to be a really different on how they go back to their workplace mm -hmm. and their culture and, and their new workflow. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Absolutely. And um, uh, as an aside, I'm also very involved with Arito. Last year I was president, this year I'm past president. Okay. And uh, also chairing a committee for Arito where because of COVID we had to um, postpone our award ceremonies that we usually have around this time every mm -hmm. year. Yep. And we postponed it and we thought this was a good opportunity to revamp the awards. We've been talking about it for a few years, so mm -hmm. I'm chairing that committee. Oh, wonderful. And also being um, a part of the new diversity and inclusion committee that Sharon will touch on in a little bit. Fabulous. So really exciting about that Wonderful. as well. well. Thanks for joining us, and that's a great segue. Sharon, please tell us about yourself. I'm Sharon Portelli. I'm the executive director and registrar for Rito, and I'm closing in on my 10th year, almost soon well, to be 10th year with Rito. Thank you. Um, and so in a dual role, I run the organization's day-to-day -day as the executive director, and then as a registrar, I actually run the compliance side of the requirements uh, that one needs to do to become registered, including complaints and discipline, ethics, uh, making sure they're doing their continuing education and that they have their insurance. So I handle both sides of the organization. And with the compliance background, I came to Arito after 13 years doing the same work in the financial sector, which was very different. Oh, okay. Uh, but a lot of parallels at the same time with respects to compliance requirements, mm -hmm. uh, a more heavily regulated industry mm -hmm. and, and practice than interior design. Um, and of course, the biggest push for Arita right now is getting greater regulation for interior design where you'd have to actually be regulated uh, and be a member of Arita in order to practice interior design in the future. That's a great idea. Yeah. I think that's very smart. So bring some standardization and some protocols to the initiative. Absolutely. Oh, very Absolutely. good. Well, thank you very much. Um, so obviously, both of our guests are very involved with Arito, and today we are going to talk about several Arito initiatives, the primary one being the ROI program and how Arito gives back to the community. So I'm not sure which one of you wants to start. Well, who can describe, I guess, tell our, our listeners or viewers uh, about the ROI program. I think Sharon can probably uh, give an, uh, an overall sure. of where we started and uh, how many years we've been, we've been at this. That'd be great. So, so the program actually started in 2013, and it was an idea that was brought to us by a couple of industry partners. So 
uh, Dana Bradley and Mahesh uh, Babaram uh, actually approached the organization and had said, we are a loving community, we're a strong community, we're close-knit. Uh, competitors like to be in a room together, and at the end of the day, we do great work as a team with interior designers, but how can we do something that is greater than us and our businesses? And it was their suggestion that Arito think about a charity initiative program. And so we started very cautiously the first year. As always, take Without, tentative steps first, yeah, right? Completely. Baby steps. Um, <clears throat> we, we started with, with identifying, okay, what does this program actually look like? And, and at the end of the day, what we wanted to see come out of it was a complete charity renovation for an organization, preferably a non-for-profit or a charitable organization, that really provides good services to Ontarians. Mm -hmm. and that are in desperate need of a remake or a refresh of their offices. And like all not-for-profits, they're strapped for cash, looking for help. And I was just going to say, yes, all not-for-profits. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea to bring everybody back because you have all the disciplines you need within a Rito and or mm -hmm. partners that you can tap into and their expertise. If they're willing to give back, you can provide basically a turnkey solution to people who really need it. That's Absolutely, yeah. And mm -hmm. I assume for the last seven years it's gone swimmingly, so here we are talking about the program. Yeah, <laughs> it's been great. And so we started the first year with um, CAMH, a satellite clinic of CAMH. Okay. It was called Archway Clinic at the time, and it's I think it's changed a little bit in rebranding. But it was um, a satellite clinic that supported about 300 clients dealing with schizophrenia and addiction. And so it's located just off of Queen, so it's mm -hmm. in the neighborhood of the Arito offices. It, it was a great first project, mm -hmm. and it went it went fantastic. We had no snags, which was <laughs> surprising. Uh, it went really, really well. Um, and basically, the, that first year, the the first project shaped up to be a fully donated. Um, project which included product material and services That's so in, yeah so interior designers who are Rita members came to the table gave their design time mm -hmm. we also then brought on a construction manager who mm -hmm. served as project manager yeah. uh, and also managed the trades for us the trades all gave up their time donated their time their services um, and then we also were able to procure all of the product and materials needed to renovate that space. So it was a complete- Huge win all around. Huge win all around. And on average, each project has run, I think at a, at a project value amount of about 400,000. That's give amazing. Or take. When, so, you, when you take into consideration time, services, and yeah, product. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, that's yeah. terrific value for the yeah. I mean, that's unheard of really. Unheard they wouldn't of. be able to come mm -hmm. up with that in any other way. So that's amazing. And that really shows that our industry is so uh, collective and community based. And yeah. as soon as you just kind of reach out and say, can you help? There's always someone there to say, yes, I can. And I think, you know, you, you bring up a great point. We are all competitors at the end of at the beginning of the day, but at mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're also part of a community. Yeah. And so like you say, people put aside their differences and their competitive spirit and go, hey, how can we really band together and provide some real value and, and mm -hmm. help that people that could use it. And I think yep. that's really important to remember. 100%. So with the success of the first program, I can only imagine that there was all kinds of opportunities for year number two. And how do you come up with ideas that are appropriate for your program? How do you evaluate those ideas? And how do you ultimately select uh, the ideas moving forward? So, so Sharon, take yeah. this, because she's usually the driving force as to kind of which direction we go, unless that there's something that's brought to the table. So, so CAMH was the first, it was followed by Fife House, which was um, for clients with AIDS and HIV. 
We then moved on to Variety Village and did a fully um, full renovation of their entrance to make it fully accessible, which it wasn't. Okay. Uh, and then we moved on to Sketch, which was an organization that supports take, taking youth off of the streets, so homeless youth off the streets, mm -hmm. and giving them a new trade, which is art-based. So whether it's music or um, you know cuisine, hospitality, um, it really takes um, those youth off the street and gives them a new trade to reintegrate them into society and give okay. them something else to build their future off of. And so every year we would come up with a new organization by the community. So somebody would say, hey, I'm, I'm heavily involved in Variety Village. I think they'd be a great next step for the ROI project. And so we would get suggestions from the community as the years went on. So the, when you say, is it the Arito community or just sort of the dis, uh, you know, architect design construction or is it mostly Arito members that are coming to you and saying? It, it's been predominantly Arito mm -hmm. members. Uh, the last project, which Lucia will touch upon, was uh, Bridge North. And that is an anti-trafficking, um, human trafficking organization. So they are in place to support clients who have been trafficked, who may still be trafficked, and who are looking to exit. Um, and they're they're uh, Canada-wide, so they're not just Ontario-based; they're okay. Canadian. And they've they were our first Canadian-based organization. Everyone else was Ontario-based. Okay. And we picked human trafficking as a focus because Dana Bradley and I had attended a women. Uh, leader, a women's leadership breakfast about four years ago and uh, a thousand people in the room no one knew really what the what the topic mm -hmm. of of the conference was going to be and it ended up being human trafficking and after a morning together and key speakers um, who were trafficked themselves and talking about their experiences and how they exited Dana and I walked away and said have we had our heads in the sand this whole time? How did we not know that this was happening? And, and not just across Canada, Toronto. Uh, Newmarket is a hub, like North York mm -hmm. is a hub, London is a hub, um, Halton region is growing as a hub. Yeah, it's interesting, kind of we had our preliminary discussion mm -hmm. I reflected and, and I felt sort of the same way, going, how did I not know about this? But I'm in the west side of the Halton region and I was talking to a psychologist mm -hmm. that I know that deals with uh, youth in distress and she she said oh this community is is you know, a real problem for for human trafficking and mm -hmm. i was i was blown away and yeah it's young women primarily i think yes. i've heard and canadians like yeah when we first started talking about this and when we got involved the assumption was that it wasn't done by canadians to canadians yeah. it was some sort of outside external force that we could assist in but not really understanding and resonating with the fact that it is Canadians yep. to Canadians and I think once uh, we got to know the the founder uh, she's also a survivor then was really just um, mind-blowing to see what is actually going on in our community that we we had no idea 100%. And, and as soon as we started reaching out to uh, various manufacturers and some you know engineering groups and whatnot it really resonated with them as well again because like Sharon said is our has our heads been in the sand like why do we not recognize what's going on but everyone just piled on like immediately mm -hmm. so we took a very um, benign small space and really made it functional for for them but also keeping in mind that it couldn't be too uh, we had to make it homey we had to make it inviting we had to make it relaxing for the survivors of that course. were they were trying to get off but get off the, the, the streets and whatnot, but 
we also had to be cognizant of the fact that we couldn't make it too homey it couldn't look like a hotel room it couldn't look like certain things that were trigger factors for these women that were trying to get um, out of that industry and then it was the whole security factor also that I, again i guess ignorance from our point is is kind of bliss so you don't realize the the violent nature right. of the whole aspect so we had to make sure that we included um, lockers that they could actually lock away um, any paraphernalia that may come in so it could be either weapons or drugs or we also had to isolate their phones from the from the ladies because again it was like big brother was always watching them so it was always trying right. to lure them back into the industry so there and was how did you how did you i mean this is not something that, that any arito designer would be familiar with these needs i mean how, how did you ascertain these needs and say well you know just I, I i if it was me i would have said oh my gosh we have to make this beautiful space that they can come and relax and make it very homey mm-hmm. and, and all these things you go actually no no that's not what we want to do so how did who provided some guidance or where did that insight come from the founder Okay. Yeah, Cassandra herself, really, we went through all the programming and re- she really made us understand what the requirements were and what the needs were. And um, just a simple fact that we put uh, a washroom in with a functional shower, for most people would say that that's, that's nice, but right. why is that so important? Is because usually these, um, the survivors, they were told when they were going to shower. So this is, they were recapturing a little bit of their power. Right. And so you mentioned this is a an organization that's across Canada. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's uh, something that I guess other chapters of pro- provincial, uh, you know, uh, organizations like Arito outside of Ontario could get involved with perhaps and, and provide that service to absolutely other locations. Yeah. It mm-hmm. sounds uh, very very valuable. I mean, that must have been quite a rewarding experience for sure. Yes, and Cassandra at the end of the day <coughs> said it was really um, revolutionary for her how she took her her business to the next level and how many more the outreach was just that much more amazing well great job and now of course what is the next project you folks are considering and when's that happening and how can people get involved pretty uh, much the exact opposite to bridge north totally different and how that one let's see how did that one come to be if it's so different how did it come to be same thing same thing uh an educator actually within the community approached me and invited me out to a site it's out by uh, niagara way and it's uh in a um, heritage building and okay. it's uh it's right along the Laura Secord, um, the Heritage Trail for Laura Secord, so okay. there's significant history attached to it. All right. Um, and it's actually looking at taking an existing site and turning it into an intergenerational uh, co-living space, and then also a community hub, uh, where there would be a student residence uh, piece and then a retirement living uh, component for the intergenerational co-living. Uh, piece and then also a, a community hub where members of the community can come and interact uh, they wow. could do um, is this you your know. biggest is this your biggest it sounds like a big space is this your biggest space it's a, it's a big space I think it'll be the biggest project likely because we are going to really need to include other disciplines mm-hmm. on this one yeah so because of the Heritage Act we're oh, going yes. to need to bring in an architect mm-hmm. right uh, we're going to need to bring in heritage conservation specialists um, so there is a huge planning process that has already started to get the get the project off the ground. It's called Willowbank, and that itself is a heritage conservation program that exists today out in Niagara. And so this is a building that 
exists, obviously, and, yes. and is yes. owned by an organization that you've approached and says, we can, we can do this for you? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. And when do you hope to get started? And sort of what's that process looking like? We were hoping to start this fall, but things have, <laughs> things have taken a little bit of a pause. Really? Um, do tell. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, just like everything else yeah, right really. now. Yeah. Um, but so, so we're just taking our time, and we want to do it right. Um, and also just being sensitive that um, it's going to be a little hard with donors and and the procurement side of you know gathering things like product materials funds as we services. all pop out of this scenario yes. yeah it, it is very tough times with everything I mean you know we've been very fortunate as a community once again to have had a very robust um, business cycle for the last decade or more and uh, obviously the office environment is now under challenge with COVID and mm -hmm. you know a lot of people are feeling the effects everywhere. I mean mm -hmm. so many charities and good things have come to an end you know they ride for cancer and all these other things I don't know if, if they're managing or how they're managing but certainly all of these types of uh, goodwill uh, events have taken a hit and uh, it, you know it's very unfortunate because you know everyone's sort of saying what's happening and all that uncertainty puts things on pause so I can imagine rounding up partners but you know that's part of what we're here for so how do we how, how can people get in touch with your group to uh, to say hey we want to get involved or please keep us posted or you know how do they get in touch with folks to uh, put their name forward and say we're interested to learn more and how do we get involved uh, they can reach out to me directly at Arito mm -hmm. so my email address is sportelli at arito.ca and what we'll just start to do is um, keep the industry informed we'll send out communication when things start to really pick up um, but in the meantime, we're just really looking at a project schedule. Where do we start? Where do we need to start? What can we do now? Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps we start with the pre-design phase and just really understand all the pieces that come with mm -hmm. working on a heritage property. Mm -hmm. um, zoning, we might have to look at some zoning considerations that we've never really had to do in the past because mm -hmm. um, it's an abandoned school that will now be transformed into something very different. So I think we'll start with some of the uh, preliminary design pieces and then start to see how I would say 2021 rolls out, the beginning of 2021, and just see where we can pick up yeah. uh, from there. How the but timing lands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the, the program, the ROI initiative, is fantastic. I congratulate you on a lot of uh, great endeavors so far, and I know your next one's going to be just as good. And if any of our listeners are uh, interested, I'm sure they get in touch. I just want to thank you both for joining us uh, and providing information. Really appreciate it. Thanks thank for having you. us. Yeah. Pleasure.